My name is Ben Greenfield, and on this episode of the Ben Greenfield Life Podcast. A lot of it's intuitive, just like get yourself kind of cold you know, every once in a while, and then get hot every once in a while, and make yourself suck air every once in a while with some kettlebells, and have family dinners, or go out to a social event you know, a couple of times a week. But there's not like rules. you know. Your head's not going to explode if you're at 34 degrees instead of 36 degrees in the ice bath. I mean, like, so I think some people think, oh, the experts are saying do this and do that because we live in this information overload era. But honestly, like, it's not that complex. You just go out and sprinkle this stuff in throughout the day and you feel great faith family fitness health performance nutrition longevity ancestral living biohacking and a whole lot more welcome to the show all right this is cool but you want to pay attention because it's coming up right around the corner on Friday, December 2nd, you're going to get a chance to join me and some really powerful healing physicians down in Sarasota, Florida. This is a live event. It goes from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. I'll be there. My friend and the brilliant former podcast guest, the Dr. Strange of Medicine, Dr. John Lawrence, is going to be there. HBOT USA, Dr. Jason and Melissa Saunas are going to be there with their hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Brian Richards of Sauna Space, Harry Paul, uh, one of John's friends who I recently met, who's also an amazing healer for an event that's super unique. It's all based around the elements, earth, fire, air, and water with a ton of treatments and technologies and modalities and very unique biohacks that you're going to get exposed to during the entire event. Basically, what I mean by that is when it comes to air, you're going to learn about hyperbaric oxygen and ozone and air filtration, everything you need to know to upgrade your air. When it comes to earth, pulsed electromagnetic field therapy, earthing, grounding, a host of other ways that you can use the power of the planet to enhance your health, your sleep, your recovery, your muscle gain, your fat loss, a lot more. More. Water, you'll learn about proper water filtration, how to upgrade your water, hydrogenated water, structured water, basically soup to nuts, everything you need to know about water and how to apply it in your home, in your office, in your life. And then finally, fire. This is a fun one. Lots of cryotherapy, a little bit of ice too, breath work, inner fire practices, a ton of stuff when it comes to introducing the element of fire into your life. So this event is super unique. John and I have been working on it behind the scenes and it has come together amazingly. There's even a VIP experience. If you sign up for the VIP experience, you could come two days early or stay a few days after the event. And basically, uh, you will get all the medical protocols customized by Dr. John and his staff if you claim one of those 10 VIP spots. That'll include like IV methylene blue, laser treatments, John's really unique bliss release, which is basically an endonasal adjustment, which is essentially like a chiropractic adjustment through your nose for your entire skull, which if you've had TBI or concussion or allergies or things like that in the past, it totally reboots that entire system. There's going to also be uh, ozone treatments, Myers IV cocktails, exosome treatments, IV laser, access to a CVAC machine, and John's entire facility is going to be at your beck and call if you got one of the VIP tickets. And then we're also probably going to have a little bit of a party later on in the evening after this event. The whole thing is going to be a pinch me, I'm dreaming, full-on cutting edge of biohacking experience. And I'm just now letting the world know about it. So spots are going to fill up pretty fast. Space is limited. But if you want to get in now, here's how. You go to 
bengreenfieldlife.com forward slash elements dash event. That's bengreenfieldlife.com forward slash elements dash event. It's in Sarasota, Florida. Again, it's all day Friday, December 2nd. I would come in early and stay after if you just want to try out all the crazy modalities there. You know, I don't know how fast those VIP tickets are going to sell out, but either way, this thing is going to be absolutely amazing. I just can't wait. Like I'm pinching myself. Can't wait to be on the plane to head down there and do this. So check it out. Ben Greenfield life forward slash elements dash event. And I'll see you there. I hope. Uh, what's the problem with wine today? Well, wine is highly processed, just like our food. You know, I like wine just the same as you probably do. I drink a glass of wine almost every evening. But here's the problem. Three giant wine companies sell over 50% of the wine in the U.S. Over 76 additives are currently legally approved for use in winemaking. We're talking dyes, thickeners, and GMO yeast. The top 20 wines sold in the U.S. contain very high levels of sugar and alcohol. And so basically, we're drinking poison a lot of the time. That's why you wake up and have a headache and you feel blah. I can drink, I don't do it, but I can drink two or three glasses of the type of wine that I actually drink. It's organic and biodynamic. It's sugar-free. It's low alcohol. It's lab tested for purity. It's grown on small family farms. It's keto approved. It's paleo approved. It's got free shipping right to my door. It's called Dry Farm Wines. It's the best natural wine out there. They've got access to 55,000 acres of organic vineyards. All right, so a lot of these come from Europe where there's healthy soil and dynamic biodiversity using natural wine farming. They work with 600 small family farmers sourcing from over 600 of these small family growers, all who make their wine by hand using things like regenerative farming, avoiding machinery. Dry farm wines even helps to teach them a lot of the tactics that make for better wine. They save a billion gallons of water with this wine because you don't have to pour a bunch of water on wine. That makes it sweet and juicy. And we want our wine to be antioxidant, rich and tannic. And that's the way these dry farm wines are. So I call them dry farm. They don't use much water, so it's better for the planet. Less than one-tenth of 1% of the world's wines are grown to the standards of dry farm. But they pick them out for you. They cut out all of the work for you. And so you know guilt-free when that box arrives, every single one has been screened. They got free shipping, straight to your door, free of charge, 100% happiness. That means any bottle you don't like, they'll replace it or they'll refund it. And better yet, they're going to give any of my listeners an extra bottle of Dry Farm Wines in their first box for a penny. Yep, one penny. Because it's alcohol, they can't sell it for free. But here's what you do. You go to bengreenfieldlife.com forward slash dry farm wines. That's bengreenfieldlife.com slash dry farm wines. And that's all you need to get started with your dry farm wines adventure today. Drink the same wine I do. bengreenfieldlife.com slash dry farm farm wines. Magnesium. I love it. I pop, actually, I actually pop six a night of this magnesium breakthrough stuff because it's got all the different forms of magnesium that are out there. All right. So let me give you a list. Okay. If you're irritable or anxious, if you struggle with insomnia, if you get muscle cramps or twitches, if you have high blood pressure, if you're sometimes constipated, those are all symptoms of magnesium deficiency and just a few of them because magnesium is involved in over 600 biochemical reactions in your body. This magnesium breakthrough stuff that I use replaces magnesium because it uses seven different forms. Most companies don't do that. So your body can actually use and absorb all the different kinds of magnesium and you're getting the best of all the best kinds of magnesium. A lot of supplements use the cheap kinds that your body can't use or absorb, not this breakthrough stuff. And what they're going to do is a Black Friday special from November 21st to November 29th. You get magnesium breakthrough, but they're going to add in all of the other Bioptimizers best-in-class products with a 25% discount. That's pretty huge. So for that Black Friday special, you go to buyoptimizers.com slash Ben and use code Ben10. That gets 25% off of any order. 
Ben10 at buyoptimizers.com forward slash Ben. And if you go starting November 21st all the way up to November 29th, you'll be able to take advantage of that exclusive Black Friday offer with that 25% discount on the whole shebang, the whole catalog. Check it out. Buyoptimizers.com slash Ben. Buyoptimizers.com slash Ben. Hey, folks. So this is an interesting episode. I was recently speaking and attending a fantastic wellness immersive event in Austin, Texas called Runga. And I was on a panel. I hosted a Q&A. It was so interesting. I decided I wanted to make you a part of it. The Q&A was kind of a free bag Q&A. It had questions on everything from biohacking your home to my own personal productivity and schedule management systems to, you know, air, light and water filtration, you know, EMF blocking, even like regrowing cartilage and treating joint injuries. So that was an interesting Q&A. You're going to hear that. And then I was also on a panel called State of Mind, where we talked about spirituality and psychedelics and smart drugs and general mind state shifting using things like plant medicines and technologies and breath and other kind of cool uh, cutting edge scientific and also free and natural methods to alter your state of mind. So anyways, the uh, the show notes you can find at bengreenfieldlife.com slash runga panel. I'll also include information about this runga event over there. So bengreenfieldlife.com slash runga panel, R-U-N-G-A-P-A-N-E-L. Enjoy the episode and leave your questions, comments, and feedback over there if you have any. I don't think anybody on this panel really needs an introduction, especially we've all been here for a couple of days now, but um, we've got Dr. John Laurent's Mr. Ben Greenfield, and my good friend Taro, who I rarely attempt to say the last name, but Taro is the founder of Four Sigmatic, for those that may not know Taro. And on this panel, I really wanted to kind of dive into state of mind and also, and I really want to kind of chunk this state of mind panel into kind of three categories. The first one is free medicine, things that these gentlemen do to control and to alter their state of mind that don't require anything be consumed or any technology be utilized. And then the next would be things that we consume or different hacks that we can use to alter our state of mind or put us in a specific state of mind. And then last, we'll go into kind of the more sophisticated, more recent cutting edge technologies that perhaps they use to control state of mind. So uh, beginning, I wanted to start with Ben because he and I have talked extensively around routines and such. And uh, as we think about state of mind, Ben, where does your mind go when you hear the term free medicine in terms of state of mind? That's a great question. I mean, the way that you're describing free medicine, I think, is this idea, like you just alluded to, of not consuming anything to shift your state of consciousness, which, I mean, I, I think a lot of people are aware of the things that get bandied about these days for that. Like, um, probably breath work is at the top of the totem pole. Uh, along with the endorphin release you would get from heat, uh, along with the nervous system reset you would get from cold. Many people will combine heat and cold and breath work to shift their state of mind. Um, Sometimes hard things can shift your state of mind. I mean, anybody who's done like a a difficult workout and collapse at the end of it, I mean, you know you're kind of in sort of an altered state of consciousness slash ready for your whey protein smoothie. Uh, and I think, um, even things like, I would say, uh, relationships, friendships, laughter, social outings, sex. I mean, I, I think that that you, you tend to see a lot of people turning to altered states of consciousness achieved through drugs or plant medicines or exogenous compounds. 
I think sometimes because they just kind of sort of have a boring lifestyle, right? They don't have a lot of music and dancing and laughter and relationships and friendships and sex and breath work and heat and cold and exercise in their life. And like, I don't know. I, I feel like if people had a more widely varied lifestyle like that, they probably wouldn't feel as much of an urge to go like take a, take a deep dive with, you know, neurochemical altering through plant compounds. Not that there isn't a time and place for something like that, but yeah, there, there's a lot of ways to shift your state of consciousness. And it's, it's kind of back to like the dopamine reset thing, right? Like, I mean, if you, if you find yourself constantly craving television shows and snacks and sugar and candy and your phone and whatnot, a lot of times that's indicative that you need to find other ways to trigger dopamine. A lot of times that's, I don't picking up a guitar or swinging some kettlebells or hopping in a cold bath. It's just like, you know, the human body craves that dopaminergic response. We sometimes seek that along with an altered state of consciousness through things like, you know, plant medicines or exogenous compounds. But frankly, sometimes it just takes looking around, analyzing your day and saying, hey, what can I do that's kind of fun that I'm not doing right now or challenging or hermetic or something that is kind of hard while I'm doing it? Raise your hand if you did an ice bath this week. I mean, like it, it was, it's a suck fest in there. I mean, I, I try, I, I lie, I make it look easy to make myself look good. But I mean, like when I get in there, trust me, I want to get out. But then when you get out, how do you feel? Yeah. I mean, does anybody get out of that and be like, yeah, hey, I want to go do ayahuasca now. I'm, I mean, you feel typically pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, <laughs> Scott's like, all right, where's my house? All right. So Scott, that, that's, that's it, Joe. <laughs> how about something that actually you would get paid to do that's free? Not only free, but fasting. Right, and you can achieve some pretty amazing levels of uh, clarity. You know, it's something that has been um, in a lot of different religious ceremonies uh, over the years. And um, when we fast, we start to um, become a lot more clean. You know, and so the the digestive system and the liver and all these different systems don't have to divert a lot of energy, and so there's more energy. Uh, with the faculties of the mind and, uh, you know, less noise, you know, you're not eating, so you're not having to pay for meals. So it's almost like you're getting paid, right? Because you're not having to spend money on food. But, um, you know, you're doing the prolon diet, TM. Yeah. Paying for your fasting. Well, I created a, a fasting protocol I call fast track fast. So if you did do that, yes, you would be paying for the kit, right? But it, it's all about signaling, you know, with, with fasting. And so we, we have these uh, rhythms, right? We talked about this at the, uh, during the podcast, if anybody was there. And, you know, these rhythms are tied to the earth, you know, and, and, and we get entrained and every system in our body has a rhythm. You know, the, the gut digestion, you know, there's movement every three seconds. If it's two seconds, you have constipation. If it's four seconds, you have diarrhea, which Ben would know exactly what, you know, that feels like. <laughs> so there's this rhythm of feast famine, and uh, it's, it's like ice bath. I mean, nobody really wants to dive into a fast, but once you get into it after the first day or two, you, uh, most people start to feel pretty euphoric. And there's a freedom where you're not tethered to like, I got to have a meal. So it's, it's like all of a sudden, it's like, what am I going to do? You know, I don't need, you know, I don't need to go to lunch. I don't need to have breakfast. I don't need to have dinner. And that's really nice. John is trying to make you all feel guilty right now. You guys realize that. Yeah. Sitting there eating your so you don't have to eat dinner, really. You could, yeah. let's fast. No. <laughs> anyway, but that's, that would be my, my big suggestion on free. Yeah. 
I love that. And, and everybody eat dinner, please, because this is really good food and I don't want any to go to waste. We want to eat it all. So start that when you go home. Taro, uh, anything to add here? I know you've got some. So I think what John and Ben are going for is there's a evolutionary response to certain triggers that have existed for a really long time, talk tens, if not hundreds of thousands of years, be it cold exposure, heat exposure, but also having babies, making babies. These are things that have existed a long time. So they trigger these responses that shift our mental state. So those I would consider being free. And the other thing I would say, there's a shift. There's a anchor. We, we're really good at adjusting our behavior. And that's what got us here is basically like ability to get comfortable in whatever scenario it is. So if you want to change your state, you have to kind of get uncomfortable or break the pattern. So that shift takes a little bit of conscious effort. But after that, you're you're benefiting from these evolutionary responses that are built within all of us, be it fasting, dancing, singing, making babies. Where do you go child. to have a baby for free? I missed uh, that memo. Mine are I, expensive. Well, I just, uh, I have a two and a half week old at home and I caught it and it didn't cost me anything. So uh, what I'm hearing here is that Taro, throughout evolution and time, Mother Nature was kind of taking care of a lot of our mindset for us, right? So we had to adapt to the environment, the cold, the hot. Like 100,000 years ago, maybe they weren't like intentionally creating ice baths. It was just cold out. What does that mean for us now where we can, we can go make ourselves hot, cold, and skip meals, but what connection to nature do we need and does our mindset depend on if that's sort of where it all began is my guess. Yeah, I think so. Finding elements is something I would be conscious about is is incorporating elements into your life. And that could be wind and fire and earth and the whole gamut. But um, but finding these primary nutrients, I remember like as a kid, my mom told me like this rule of three that I'm sure many of you have heard, but you can be three days or you can be three weeks without eating some can go longer. So you can be three days without water and you can be three minutes without breath. And again, there's exceptions, but you can barely be three seconds without a thought. So they also be mindful of how much you're consuming something and that like how that compounds over time. Incorporate elements into your life, but not all of them are at the same importance. And you might have to build it up. That means like like nutrition is kind of the white belt or the blue belt. And then your mind or your spirit is like the black belt, but it's, you don't become, you don't get the black belt on day one. So you might need to build it up slowly from nutrition to hydration, to fasting, and then to breath. And then finally to your mind. So there, there is a natural progression there. And some people can jumpstart of it a little bit, but I would, I would recommend that as a framework. And kind of, I guess now kind of hearing some of this as it relates to incorporating it into our daily life, where does sort of routine, how do we architect our approach? How do we, how do we decide if we need cold or hot today? Or how do you organize some of these approaches and very, and elements uh, in a way that sort of fits into your daily life for, for folks that have jobs and how does ritual and routine kind of play into your ability to kind of 
balance life with these biohacks? Well, I would, I would say that there's, there's an internal guidance, you know, and the HeartMath Institute did some really interesting research where they would show an image on a computer screen and they would notice that the, the individual's heart, you know, because they had their heart connected to a device in their brain, and they would notice that the, the heart responded to the nature of the picture. So the pictures would be like terrible scenes, and then there would be like flowers and beautiful scenes. And so there was a response where the heart responded 20 seconds before the image would come up. There's this idea that there's an internal guidance system that knows, you know, it has no boundary of time and space. And so there's an aspect of that, but there's also something that's really important where you have a good coach. You know, I think that a lot of people getting into this um, really need to have, you know, a coach like Ben or, you know, we have some coaching plans as well. Checks in the mail, John. Yep. (laughs) So, so, you know, somebody that's been through it, you know, we, we all have to, you know, rely on a teacher. So, we can't know everything. So I, that would be my big suggestion is actually, you know, the combination of those two, you know, get a teacher, but then feel into what's right for you and, you know, dream up your, your, you know, your proto, your program and change it. Don't do the same thing for months and months, like have fun with it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a really important element. Ben. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, it's, it's not rocket science. We, have like 12 hours a day here to just bounce back and forth between whatever. And, you know, all of us are lazing around without working. And then you get home to your job and you're like, Oh gosh, when did I do the ice bath and the sauna and the kettlebell thing and the fasting and, and, you know, everything else that they're talking about. It's, I mean, it's just like anything, it's intentional scheduling. So like, I'm just going to use myself as an example because I know myself the best. You know, I, I get in the sauna four to five times a week for like 20 to 30 minutes. And then I go jump in the cold pool afterwards. And then in the evening, I carve out a time to play a little bit of a musical instrument. And at 6 a.m., I have typically some kind of like a devotional or spiritual session by myself or with my sons. At 7.30, I gather the family for meditation, and we do like a family meditation, not for a long time, but, you know, for like 10, 15 minutes max, and then in the evening, we do another meditation session, and we all make a meal together at like 7 p.m., and that's, that's honestly something I would consider the social and relationship and, and gastronomy part of changing your state of mind, and, and then, of course, in between all of that, yeah, we're working and doing school and up to our usual routine, but... You know, when you leave here, like, don't leave all this stuff behind. Like, you know, figure out a way that you're going to, I don't know, swing by the gas station on your way home from work and dump ice in the bathtub or, you know, buy one of these cold tubs and and hit up the sauna and intentionally schedule, you know, these type of things you're learning here into your life. Because you can do it without just needing to be like that, you know, biohacker spending 10 hours a day wandering around your house with your special funky glasses on, you know, deciding what you're going to hack yourself with next. You can just put this stuff, you know, in, in, in small doses throughout the day. And once you do, it becomes like brushing your teeth and you feel fantastic. And, you know, it's, it's really, it's not that difficult, but I think what people wonder is like, 
I mean, you know, we're out doing ice baths. It's like, well, what kind of breath do I do? And how long do I go? And how cold? And how long? And then, you know, and when do I do the electrical muscle stimulation? That that's kind of goes back to what John was saying. Like, a lot of it's intuitive. Just, like, get yourself kind of cold, you know, every once in a while. And then get hot every once in a while. And make yourself, you know, suck air every once in a while with some kettlebells. And, and, and you know, and, and then have family dinners or go out to a social event, you know, a couple of times a week. But there's not, like, rules, you know, you, you're... Your head's not going to explode if you're at 34 degrees instead of 36 degrees in the ice bath. I mean, like, so I, I think some people think, oh, the experts are saying do this and do that because we live in this information overload era. But honestly, like, it's not that complex. You just go out and sprinkle this stuff in throughout the day and you feel great. Having <laughs> positive anchors is really important because sometimes what happens is we do something like an ice bath and we're anchoring like the, the, the suffering, right, versus the exhilaration of getting out of it. And that makes all the difference in, in bringing these rituals in and just actively bringing joy into those acts is really, really important. Yeah, and to build off of all those beautiful words, um, not everything is probably going to give you immediately the same result. And that doesn't mean that they're less valuable, but there's definitely habits that are easier and or more effective. And finding things, those like, sunrise, sunset, circadian rhythm through that, your sleep quality, for example, finding those in your day, um, you can definitely prioritize. So if you're feeling overwhelmed that there is looking at Ben's day and there's 17 things to do and that feels overwhelming, maybe choosing one or two that gives like faster response and could be like drinking more water and seeing the sunrise and the sunset and that will already get you pretty far. And then habit stacking is valuable but honestly, like, do it as long as it's fun. And if the moment you start to tense up and worry about it, you probably have gone too far for that level or you need to switch something. And um, while routine, when you're experimenting with something, is really helpful for the first time. So if you've never woken up to see the sunrise, it's good to do maybe like a 30-day challenge. But, like, I really recommend not having a routine and the routine is not having the routine. And that variation actually gives you a lot of, like, physical, mental, and spiritual capacity. Um, so initially, I recommend doing a routine, challenge, whatever, with your neighbor, friend, online. And then after that, try to get away from having a routine. But the habit stacking and making it fun, making it playful, makes you able to incorporate more things into your day and maintain them a lot easier. Yeah, so the routine to kind of create the habit and then switch to intuition kind of as soon yeah. as possible. Yeah, I love that. Now, let's let's kind of switch in, I guess, back to the kava a little bit, you know, as it relates to substances that can help keep us in the mental state or bring us into the desired mental state if we're out of it. Uh, I'd love to know some of your favorites to use both on a daily basis and on, you know, an occasional basis and start with John. Yeah. I find breath work to be one of the best things to really kind of clear my mind and connect me with the present moment. And um, some of the, 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 ch- the biggest challenge I've had with breath work is maintaining the motivation to actually sit down and do it. And so this is where I think anchoring the joy with that. And, and you know, sometimes you have to force yourself to just sit down and do it. You know, this is, you know, with breath work, it's a, because your breath is controlled by both your 
autonomic and your volitional control. And that autonomic nervous system is everything. You know, you, if you take care of that, you're going to be extremely healthy, you live a long life. And it's something that's neglected. And so that it kind of ties into this whole circadian rhythm with sleep-wake because the, the part of the autonomic nervous system that's not supported is the parasympathetic. And the most powerful activator of the parasympathetic is melatonin. Just like cortisol activates the sympathetic, it gets you up in the morning. Melatonin is, is really important to be you know, powerful. And so we get and build melatonin by light going in the eyes. And, and then there's a lot of subtle rhythms that, that play into that where the, the amber light for sunrise and sunset, because I would, you know, think about like this little guy in a cave, right? And all he has is a two-way radio and he's down there and you've, you've got your radio and you're outside and you're like seeing what's going on and you're letting your little guy know in the cave what's going on, right? And this guy's got all the levers to control all these different aspects of health. And it, you say, all right, the sun's coming up. And he's like, okay, I got that. Sun's coming up. So, and then the sun going down. And so all these different points um, really create a reference point for your, your body to entrain to the sleep-wake where you're going to get that really powerful parasympathetic activation and that deep rest. And I think that this is more important than diet or exercise or anything else. Because it's foundational, you know, once you have that in place, then you're going to have the vitality to go and do all these other things. You're going to have the motivation, the neurotransmitters feeding dopamine where you're going to be like, okay, you know, I can do this. I think John just admitted that he hears voices inside of his head. You need to get Absolutely. That checked out. I guess like, I, I'll, get, I'll get all practical with your question, Joe, because it depends when you ask me like what kind of things I like for enhancing mental function or like the smart drugs and the nootropics, et cetera. I would say top three for me right now, just to cut straight to the chase. Uh, there's a caffeine-like molecule that's pretty blissful called parazanthine, P-A-R-A-X-A-N-T-H-I-N-E. I have had a great deal of success in terms of like mental energy, thermogenesis, uh, fasting and appetite control, et cetera, stacking that with a peptide called tesofensine. Parazanthine, tesofensine stack, I don't think a lot of people are talking about it right now, but you can crush a day on that. It's a very, very similar feeling to what you'd get from something like modafinil, aka ProVigil, without it keeping you up for 24 hours. That's a good stack, parazanthine with tesofensine. Tesofensine is a peptide, parazanthine you can buy off off, uh, Amazon. Second would be, uh, there's a company called Newtopia. This is making some interesting stuff right now. I just interviewed them this week. They have one uh, called called Dopa Drops. They're like dopaminergic compounds. And you take one, you take the next one about 20 minutes later. And dope, dopamine is like very motivating, right? It makes you just want to go crush your workout or crush your day or do something you might not otherwise be motiv- motivated to do. This company does like an online questionnaire for your neurotransmitter balance. And then it's, it's not cheap. It's like $400 for a like month-long box of all their smart drugs and nootropics. But that one, I've been impressed with. I think they're doing a good job. It's, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm intentionally leaving Chris and Quicksilver Scientific out just because everybody knows about that right now. So I'm going to talk about something people don't already know about, even though his stuff is, is, is absolutely fantastic. And you, you can go ask them too because they got some great cognitive pick-me-ups as well. 
And then uh, I would say the last one would be microdosing with with plant medicines. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I, I think plant medicines are overused now. I think they're dangerous. I think there's there's a lot of people like d- using too much of them or using them in the wrong set and setting. But I think microdosing with psilocybin or microdosing with LSA primarily for creativity, for focus, etc. Um, it's safe. It's effective. Obviously, the only risk is if you're microdosing, you have the stuff around. So you can obviously take too much of it if you don't self control and wind up, I think, in a in a dangerous place spiritually. But um, I would say microdosing has a time and place as well. And that, like those would be three things that at this point in my life would probably be the top three things that I'm using to just like kind of upgrade my brain during any given day if we're actually talking about things that you would consume. And I guess I'm leaving Taro's mushrooms out of the equation, but my wife and I are like mushroom junkies and do those almost every morning in our coffee or our tea or whatever. So, so yeah. So don't feel bad, Taro. We are using mushrooms too. Yeah. And I don't want to open it up to Taro. And I also want to mention that this group really loves Four Sigmatic Coffee. We went through 120 cups in like two and a half hours today. It's really, really impressive. So definitely want to second, John, I think where you start is things like, like I mentioned, sunrise, sunset, those are the baselines, like love, connection, spending time with people you care about, playtime, those are critical. But to be practical, like, um, like Ben, out of things that I feel that are tried and true and I can recommend, I, I still don't think people appreciate cacao enough, both teobromine and the various active uh, compounds, PEA, yada, yada, yada in it. And I think it's so tried and true and so mood enhancing. And if you want to get really clever with it, I think um, vasodilators and spices, particularly like cayenne, work really well with it. If you want to go into the herbal side, mucuna is the highest source of natural L-dopa, which is a precursor to dopamine. Snickers um, bars. Yeah. Um, so definitely like cacao. And if you look at people who've lived 100 years, it's a theme that comes up a lot. It's one of the most biodiverse foods in the world. And because it's so butchered with cocoa and milk chocolate, it's just like people don't understand how medicinal it is. Similarly, but, you know, like tobacco and, and things are sacred things, but obviously that is more addictive. So cacao, I would be on the top of the list. The other one would be green tea or actually camellia sinensis, the whole plan overall. I think it is, again, one of the most studied compounds for health, particularly I like for uh, cognitive function, green tea. Again, it's the same plant, but how it's harvested and, and the catechins there, uh, I think it's very powerful. You can take them as a supplement, like ECGs and uh, teobromine and yada, yada, yada. But I would recommend, similarly to the kava, is that if you're new to these, I would recommend using the whole plant in its native form, usually some sort of water. And then once you get more familiar, once you're like Ben and you kind of know your dosages, some of those more isolated compounds, you can stack them easily. So green tea and cacao would be on the top of the list. On the microdosing, um, I think there are compounds that are more suitable to microdosing. There's compounds that maybe are not so suitable. It's a longer conversation, but there is, for example, tolerance that you build with uh, psilocybin mushrooms. And I think people, most people misunderstand microdosing. It is supposed to be a sub-perception experience by its original definition. Pretty much everybody I talk to who microdose say they feel it or they have like unnecessary yawns and whatnot. And they're definitely having too much and they're taking it too often. There are compounds like LSD, LSA, yada, 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 that ibogaine, you could actually 
do, but like generally I think it's misunderstood and I think it's somewhat unproven. But what I would recommend is from a legal perspective is generally just herbalism and like being into herbalism and finding ways to test psychoactive and non-psychoactive plants and rotating them and starting to build relationships like having your own small garden and growing gynostemma or having herbs and basil, even like common herbs, parsley, getting familiar with them and then rotating them around the year. Uh, Once you have the real deal and you can start to eat it in higher dosages, there's a lot of mental benefits in very common spices and foods that people don't realize because you use them in low quality and or too small amounts. But once you start growing food and using these herbs, you will probably reap a lot of mental state benefits. But cacao and green tea being like the safest, most proven, most universal, powerful things to start with. And because they're so simple, people, I feel like, underwrite them. Like similar to maybe kettlebells or squats or if, I don't know, if you talk to a fitness trainer, like then back in the day, everybody wants to hear the newest workout move. But at the end of the day, most of the benefits are probably reaped with those boring answers and just doing them repetitively over a long time with increased variations of intensity. So those would be stuff I would recommend. Yeah, great. Thank you, Taro. Um, and one of the last questions here is just around biohacks and technologies. You know, there's a strong interest for that. I guess I'll start with Ben on the end and maybe we'll work this way just in terms of what, what are your go-tos? You know, if it's going to be a long day of work and you're going to use one of your devices that you've got kicking around your house, what's that, what's that device going to be? Just one, man. You I can have it stacked. a lot of them at the same time. That's what's fun. You know, I, I would say probably, again, like let's just go with, with three. Taro started the rule of three. I didn't. Uh, I would say the Apollo, which is a small wrist or ankle-worn device that elicits a haptic vibratory sensation that can shift your mood and your state of energy pretty effectively. That works well for me. I would say second would be the HAP-B, which elicits like a magnetic signal that because it's different than the haptic signal can be combined with the Apollo for either energy or sleep or relaxation or whatever. And then the last would be uh, photobiomodulation, which you guys, a lot of you have done already, you know, use red light, sunlight, et cetera, to shift your mood state. But there's one that's like a head-worn device initially developed for Alzheimer's and dementia that has an alpha mode or a gamma mode that I use very regularly called the, called the V-Light, V-I-E light. And so I would say light vibration and magnetic stimulation via the Apollo, the Happy, and the V-Light would be like three things that I kind of like use a lot of the time. And then I just see, thanks to now knowing Taro, a crap ton of parsley and it helps a ton. Yeah, I'm going to um, echo that photobiomodulation. If, if I could do one thing, the number one thing would be using um, sauna space uh, lamps and I get to take some methylene blue before this. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Because that act, that's very um, photodynamic, right? So that uh, methylene blue has an affinity to go into your mitochondria. And then within your mitochondria, you have something called the cytochrome C, which cyto is cell and chrome is light. And so we have the ability to take photons and convert them into energy. And so this, this whole system really upregulates the mitochondria up to about 30%. And so that would be my number one stack. The second thing is 
if you don't have a cold plunge at your house, get one. Like this is something you will use every day, right? And it's not terribly expensive to get set up with um, some infrared lights with the uh, sauna space. And a, you can even get like a freezer. You know, I, we were at a place uh, last time I was in Austin and they just took a freezer and turned it on its side, right? It was, it was amazing. So um, the, the, the joy, you know, you, you get these things in your house and it's like you're thinking like, like something that you use every day. Like I can't imagine like life without, you know, these, these two things. And that's part of my solid morning ritual is I get in my jacuzzi and then I go into the cold plunge. I go back and forth. And then after I get out of the cold plunge, I'm cold. I get in front of the lights. I can do something with that within 30 minutes in the morning. And you feel fantastic. I'll uh, give two that are free and then one that costs some money. But, um, or one of them is like kind of inexpensive. I've been a big fan of nail beds for a long time. I got into this through the Eastern European. I'm from Finland and we're on the border of Russia and whatnot. And got through these like Bulgarian weightlifters. They were doing a lot of this like acupressure, which I guess has existed in every culture pretty much around the world. You might have seen these yoga, what are they called? Um, Yoga beds that are made out of plastic, but these are actually made out of actual nails. So about 3,000 nails on a small bed and you lay on it. And if you put yourself precisely on it, it's like not that painful, but it releases the nervous system like nothing else. And it costs like maybe 30 to $50. Everybody here signed a liability waiver, right? Yeah. I just want to make sure. And okay. uh, you lay on it, and it's it, the how easy and how reliable that response to our, my nervous system, and also to keep still, because if you move, it hurts, but if you're still, it doesn't. And I basically nap on it every day. So that, I have few of them, and literally every one of them is like 30 to 50 bucks. So that's like, but that's something, um, acupressure, and you could achieve it in different ways, but I would recommend looking into that. That is incredibly effective, effective way. Um, the other thing that costs money is sauna. Again, I guess it's a, it's a thing I have to say it, um, but we're big into sauna and it is an investment, but it is a, one of those things that where the breath, the mind, the heat, you kind of stack those things, but the, the release there is very consistent. I would say the same with, with ice and cold, but I feel like with the heat, it takes a little longer, even if you are at like 200 degrees. So there's a little bit more longer suffering. It's not as intense, but I find that being very meditative uh, and powerful. And then the, the third hack, um, I would say like hydration, like water and salt, you can do a lot there and more than you would think, both from a fasting and what point, but also... Um, we talk about the enemas, but I would do these like drinking enemas at times if I feel sick. So I would do like two tablespoons of salt in a small amount of water, which is pretty gnarly. And then, uh, you drink a lot of water and then that will in- immediately create diarrhea, but basically like water, salt, fasting combination is like incredibly powerful. And I think most of us don't drink enough don't take enough salt and eat too much. And going back to that is a powerful hack. And whenever you feel sick, I would recommend sleeping, drinking water and fasting and salt. 
and that will probably heal. I just ended a 14-year journey of not being sick one day. Uh, my kid caught me with a ear infection, uh, but I, I was on a 14-year run, and I, I credit most of it not actually to mushrooms like people most people think of me, but actually to the fact of whenever I feel like even slight feeling of getting sick, if do not eat, drink water, and sleep, and that will take pretty much most illnesses and diseases away pretty quickly. So those would be my three. How do you get on to the nail bed? Like, do you do like your butt first? Yeah, kind of, actually. Yeah, the low back is uh, less sensitive and it can take a little more beating than, than the other parts. But yes, you kind of like, uh, you try to be as even as possible. And I kind of put my legs on both sides and my uh, elbows on both sides and try to scoot back into it. But yeah, it's mostly butt, low back first because it hurts least and then you settle into it. I think you can now buy them um, online and Amazon, but I would not recommend the plastic ones. They are not nearly the same experience as like a real nail bed. And uh, I'm sure they're commonly available now. It seems like an Etsy thing. Etsy or, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Etsy thing. But there, there's, uh, there's ones that I recommend are ones that are plastic-based, not the wood-based because the wood base doesn't, if you want to, for example, on a bed and the curvature of your spine. So I would definitely rec, you would know a lot about that. But like, I would say the plastic ones gives flexibility for your shape of your body. You'll still get the pressure, but it, it's a lot more comfortable and enjoyable than the, the one. There's also roll ones that you can roll spines and spikes on you, which sounds really kinky and weird. But like that also does work. Love it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. This was great. I wasn't sure what was going to come up, and there was definitely some information that I wasn't expecting, so I appreciate you all. A little too much information from one particular person on multiple occasions. But, um, I talked about diarrhea and nails way less than Tarot did. Yeah, uh, but thank you, guys. One of my favorite not-carbohydrate, not-fat, not-protein, little-known secret macronutrients is now back in stock. It's called ketones. The ones I use are made by HVMN. They're called Ketone IQ. They're perfect for staving your appetite for hours on end, running from meeting to meeting when you can't get food, any type of endurance activity because ketones are a great fuel for the heart, for the liver, for the diaphragm. Anytime you want a great amount of portability, convenience on an airplane is amazing because you're not even tempted at all by any food the whole time you're sitting on the airplane. Ketones are 28% more efficient at generating energy than sugar alone. That means you can do a lot more with a lot less, especially when your body gets pushed to limits because ketones help you convert stored fat into energy. And then with Ketone IQ, you can actually get that without having to fast and excessively restrict carbohydrates. They created this stuff through a $6 million contract from the U.S. Department of Defense, deep partnerships with some of the top researchers in ketone science. It's a truly cutting-edge drink. It avoids the insulin spikes, the caffeine jitters, the mid-afternoon energy crashes. Super simple. You just throw this stuff back. I'll toss back a shot straight out of the bottle. Some people like to mix it with a little water, stevia, stuff like that. But either way, HVMN stands by their products 100%. All right, if you're not satisfied, your order is free. That's how much they believe, and I believe, in the power of ketones. Been using them for years and years. Here's how to get 20% off of any purchase of Ketone IQ. You go to hvmn.me slash beng. hvmn.me slash beng. Use code beng. That gets you 20% off of any purchase of Ketone IQ.
You can also find them at any California Earth Bar locations, which are usually usually within a, an Equinox. So check them out, hvmn.me slash Ben G. And of course, Thanksgiving is coming up. ButcherBox is giving you free turkey, as they've done in previous years. I sometimes try to go out and hunt the turkey. Sometimes I come back empty-handed. doesn't matter. I always have a ButcherBox turkey as backup in the freezer, and they taste amazing because these turkeys have no antibiotics or added hormones. They take care of their turkeys, gobble, gobble, and they're giving you one 10 to 14-pound turkey free in your first box. If you go to butcherbox.com slash Ben to claim that deal on free turkey, did I mention, along with your 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork that's raised crate-free, wild-caught seafood, all humanely raised, did I say no antibiotics or added hormones? I'm saying it again, in your turkey or anywhere else. Guilt-free this Thanksgiving with free shipping. Free shipping. You don't have to go to the grocery store to get your turkey. And it's 10 to 14 pounds in your first box free when you sign up at butcherbox.com slash Ben. Whole body wellness is obviously a big part of my life. I'm always looking for new ways to make my body feel great, make my brain feel great. One non-negotiable for me is a daily dose of red light. I can use it to simulate sunlight. I can use it to simulate sunrise, sunset, right in my office, bringing the sun into my own office. The infrared light spectrum is fantastic for boosting cellular energy, for healing damaged cells that are under oxidative stress. There's a ton of clinically proven benefits to it. Better skin, higher testosterone, better blood flow to the whole body, pre-workout or post-workout for recovery. Use them in your office at night when you don't want to flip on all the bright lights, but you want that giant dose of soothing red light therapy. And what I go to is Juve for my red light. They source from the highest quality materials. They got medical grade components. They went through third-party testing. They have safety marks from nationally recognized testing laboratories. They give you the safest, most reliable product. It's unmatched. There's a lot of red light companies out there, but Juve is unmatched. They have a whole body treatment device. I can treat my whole body in 10 to 20 minutes. I do it once a day. They even have a little handheld device called the Juve Go. I can throw in my suitcase and take with me on the go. Barely weighs anything. And so I can do my red light when I'm in my hotel room anywhere in the world. This stuff just works. It travels through TSA too, also just fine. So juve.com slash Ben, J-O-O-V-V.com slash Ben. Apply my code Ben to your qualifying order, and you can feel what infrared's actually like in terms of a big upgrade in your health. J-O-O-V-V.com forward slash Ben, and you're going to get an exclusive discount on your first order when you use my code Ben on your qualifying order. I run into this sometimes at events. I'm just going to be super open and vulnerable with y'all. Like sometimes people kind of think I'm like unapproachable or they're only supposed to like ask questions to me when it's like some kind of official Q and a or whatever, but don't think that just cause we have 45 minutes slotted for this, that I'm not available to answer your questions, even maybe questions you didn't want to ask in public or whatever. Anytime this whole week, like, for example, you know, in, in past room, because people have asked me a question, I'm like, hey, let's go for a walk and talk about it. You know, there's a whole walking path below here. I even notice there's some fresh wild blackberries growing down there. You know, there's like wild blackberries growing down there. Bonus for anybody needs a midnight snack. But I mean, seriously, like I love to answer questions. I love to help people out. And so outside of this Q&A, if you didn't get your question answered, or you just want to chat with me about anything, just come find me. And yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll take you on a walk. We can we can chat and, and chat some more. So that being said, uh, we got some mics up here. Since we are recording, we would love to have you ask your question into the microphone by either coming up here or, or Joe can get his ten thousand steps in and bring the mic out to you. That's right. And and guys, you know, this is kind of your opportunity. You know, a lot of folks. You know, I've I've spoken with almost all of you, and uh, a large number of you, I think, would would love to ask Ben a question or two. That's it, guys. Does anybody have a question they want to kick us off with? How, how do you balance being an 
online influencer and giving things like social media the attention it needs without getting sucked into that world? Yeah, that's an interesting question because largely I don't. Now, for illustrative purposes, you know, like my my sons have an Instagram account, a Facebook account, even a TikTok account. They don't even know how to log into that. You, do you know how to log into your social media? They don't even know how because I told them what I wish someone had told me at an early age, like, just do what you do best. You know, there's a great book by Gary Keller called, you know, The One Thing. I think it's free on Amazon. But it's just based around this idea of do what you do best, you know, whatever God has made you good at, that unique skill set that you were born with, and then figure out a way to outsource and delegate all the other stuff to someone else. So like, I don't really even know how to use Instagram that like, I know how to turn it on and put a photo up, but I even suck at that. So like when I take a photo or a video, I'm sending it to somebody and tell them, Hey, like do the hashtaggy thing and put this up or whatever time it's supposed to go up. I have one email folder. That's the starred one. And then I have somebody that checks my email all day long and they put a star next to the emails that I need to see. So I don't have to look at any folders other than that starred folder. I don't know the username and password to my website anymore. So like if I want to post it, I got to send it over to my team to, to put up or to edit or whatever. So I've intentionally extricated myself from even being able to largely micromanage, even though I, I sometimes you know, will, will micromanage anyway if I see a word spelled wrong or whatever. But yeah, I, I basically don't. I just have built a team that that does as much as possible for me and then kind of like handcuff myself from being able to manage a lot of it by just not knowing how to even log into most of my accounts or anything like that. I don't know if that answers your question, but basically just do what you do best and then operating in a spirit of abundance because there's a real spirit of scarcity that we can have a mindset that we fall into to where like we want to do it all ourselves because we don't want to pay somebody else to do it for us. But you know, I, I used to do everything. I used to program my own website, write all my own newsletters, do all my own affiliate campaigns, run all my own PPC, like soup to nuts, do everything until like maybe like 14 years ago when A, my wife was pregnant with twins. And I knew I just couldn't do it all because I was sleeping like three hours a night. And B, I, I listened to Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week one day while I was driving to a triathlon. And I listened to the rest of it on the way back and realized, oh, there's like, people that can help you out with stuff. And I didn't even realize how to do that. My dad was a serial entrepreneur and I just saw him do it all himself. And I thought that was how you ran a company. And it's, it's obviously not, but that, that was all I knew. And now I just outsource and delegate anything. Like I don't even mow my own lawn. I feel guilty sometimes. I don't know how to fix stuff around the house, but it's it frees me up to do the stuff that I feel like God has called me to do. Hi, Ben. I know you are or have been looking for a new house. I'm wondering what are the key things you've been looking for in your search for a healthy home? Well, I mean, if you look at the body as a battery, you know, that, that you would ideally like to maintain properly charged, you know, like a, a negative charge on the, on the interior of the cell, a slightly positive charge on the outside of the cell, and, you know, and, and basically exposure to healthy photons of light to keep the cells charged and, and water, you know, with, with, with minerals to carry charges throughout the body and not exposing the photovoltaic voltaic, you know, potential of the cells to things like Wi-Fi and EMF and, and even, you know, Bluetooth and some of these low-level frequencies. It all comes down to like, how does your home support your battery, right? The battery that is you. And in the personal environment, probably the four things that 
I look at most intensively when it comes to a personal living environment, whether it's a custom home build or an apartment that you might be renting or an Airbnb that you're staying at or whatever, is air, light, water, and electricity. Like those are probably the four variables that I take into consideration the most. So air, not only ensuring that it is clean, meaning the use of things like, uh, you know, HEPA air filtration systems or, you know, fine particulate filters, things like that, but also what are you doing to the air to bring it as close to our primal ancestral air exposure as possible? Meaning are, are you using things like plants from the NASA clean air study and, and having those scattered around the house, you're getting exposed to natural oils and natural scrubbing potential of plants around the house. You know, there's essential oil diffusers in most of the, the rooms of my house, you know, diffusing things like lavender and rose and bergamot and peppermint, and, you know, all sorts of essential oils that we would be exposed to normally when traipsing around outside in the forest before we you know, became relegated to living and traveling in, in boxes. Negative ion generators, uh, devices such as, I guess there isn't one here, but there's a reactive oxygen generating device made by a company called NanoV, right, which infuses the air with other nice things that you can breathe in. So, so air is one, light is another, right? How many cans in your house or how many places in, in your apartment can you outfit with either incandescent right which is which is most similar to the natural spectrum of sunlight red incandescent preferably in most of the sleeping areas or the resting areas of the home or halogen you know and and in some areas where you need a little bit more bright blue light choosing a low flicker option like OLED instead of LED so when i travel i typically have a red light headlamp that i'm using for getting around in the morning and in the evening when i don't want to shut down my melatonin production and my natural circadian rhythmicity i'm keeping lights off i'm wearing blue light blocking glasses all the way down to uh, the monitor that i use in my office right it's made by a company called BenQ which actually is a monitor that has less flicker a lower kelvin temperature and less eye irritation for a day of work and then on the laptops they all have a program called iris installed right and so throughout the house it, i'm i'm just basically analyzing whether or not there's natural levels of light you know and there are fantastic experts who know a lot more than i do about this stuff like uh, like Brian Hoyer who's a fantastic building biologist who i've learned a lot about light from in terms of of opting for halogen or incandescent or in sleeping areas of the house like red incandescent in the bulbs when it comes to, uh, in addition to air and light, water. And that's, that's partially just a matter of, of filtrating the water, right? With preferably either double carbon block or reverse osmosis. When you're traveling, purchasing water that's mineral rich from glass bottled water like Gerald Steiner or, or uh, Pellegrino or something of that nature. And then kind of similar to air, rather than just filtering, why not return the water to a state that is close to nature as possible? And so I will often travel with either structured water, like pour over structured water filters, uh, hydrogen tablets to put in the water to, to add a little bit of, of an antioxidant to it. We have hydrogen tablets over there at the, at the Quicksilver booth. And in my home, it's a, it's a whole house structured water filtration system. So the water passes through, in our case, double carbon block filtration. And then after that, it passes through a water vortiser. So it's as close as possible to the type of water you'd find tumbling underground in, in springs, right? And so filtration and structuring are the two things that I do to water. And then I'll add in minerals like Quinton. I'll add in hydrogen tablets and, you know, things that make the water healthier. And then finally, electricity is a big one, right? There, there's tons of stuff you can do for electricity, but primarily uh, hardwire in when you can. Like, like my house is all hardwired with a uh, metal shielded Cat7 Ethernet cable, right? So you can't get a Wi-Fi connection, you just use an adapter and, and you plug in via Ethernet wherever you're at in the house. 
there's no smart appliances, right, enabled with Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. If I'm using a wearable or some type of device, I only choose those that can be placed in airplane mode. Basically, if the if the phone is on and the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth doesn't need to be on, it's disabled. And if the phone is on and I'm not using it for communication, it's in airplane mode. The computers, when they're hardwired in via the Ethernet, of course, the Wi-Fi is also disabled on those. There's dirty electricity filters in each room of the house. You know, and obviously we we talk for like an hour and a half about electricity. You could read books like probably one of the better ones out there right now is Dr. Mercola's book, uh, EMF. You know, again, the work of Brian Hoyer is very good for this as well. But those would be the main things I look at as air, light, water, and electricity. And there are little things that might fall in into multiple categories, like are using low VOC compounds. You know, and for in our new home build in Idaho, even though I've built a lot of this into our home in Spokane, which I built to be like our dream biohacked home oasis in the forest, but we've just been called elsewhere to, to be closer to family and to where, where my sons want to want to go to go to college. And so we're moving. But but the home that we're moving to, you know, I'm taking things to another level. I'm doing a whole biogeometry analysis, which is a company out of Egypt that puts like little negative uh, energy filled, almost like vortices in different areas of the house. I'm building a whole house out of moonwood, which is a special form of pine that's harvested during certain lunar phases to where there's there's a large amount of what's called fourth phase structured water naturally present in the wood. So this wood blocks 99% of EMF. It's naturally mold resistant, naturally insulatory for heat or for cold, naturally windproof. And, and so, you know, the entire home will be built out of a, a low VOC compound that actually you know, is, is as close to nature as possible. And so a lot of considerations and I'll be logging the whole new home build. But I also have a book that I wrote when I did the, our existing home build called How to Biohack a Healthy Home. And I just kept track of everything we did in our current home and put it. It's like a cheap little book on Amazon. But, you know, the, the information is out there. And, you know, you can also work with a building biologist. I think probably two of the best ones out there right now are Brian Hoyer and then another guy named uh, Brian Johnson. And, and both of those guys know a lot when it comes to, to building biology. The question was how to mitigate some of the inflammation and circadian rhythm issues if you don't have a traditional work schedule. Right. You're a, you're, you're a night owl. You're an evening person. Yet you kind of have that guilt complex when you hear about people who are, you know, sun gazing and going to bed at 7 p.m. or whatever. And I get it. And of course, that's, you know, made all the more troubling uh, when when you're looking at books by guys like Dr. Michael Bruce, who actually say, well, there's four different chronotypes. And I, I agree with that to a certain extent. And some of those chronotypes, like I think it's like 20% or whatever, are those evening types who are like hyperproductive between 11 p.m. and 2 a.m. and probably would have been like the sentinels or the scouts, you know, back in ancestral times who could stay up really well in the evening. I think that it, it is a little bit difficult when we're living in, in kind of like a post-industrial era where you, you can be lit up whenever you want to be lit up and you kind of have plenty of options of when you're going to work. I think that that's where the use of some of these red light technologies can come in pretty handy. Like, I'll admit it, there are, there are many times of the season when I'm not up and I'm not watching the sunrise and I'm even getting out of bed after the sun has risen, but I have a red light panel in my office that allows me to simulate the sunrise at a time that's actually later than the sun has actually come up. And same thing with sunset, right? If that's shifting my circadian clock forwards and I want to simulate sunset in my work environment or a home environment, I can flip on all the red lights in the house before I'm going to go to bed and simulate sunset in the house. So technology, to a certain extent, can simulate a lot of this stuff. 
from what I've seen as far as mitigating some of the inflammation and circadian rhythmicity issues in, say, like shift workers, nutrition seems to play a pretty big role, meaning at least doing some element of fasting or calorie restriction during the time that the, that the sun has gone down, you know, and not eating again until at least after the sun has come up, even if you're like a shift worker doing more of your fasting during your shift work and then eating after the shift work and then, you know, eating right before the shift work starts again, but not eating during. It seems that the human body doesn't do very well eating during dark cycles, even if you're up during those dark cycles. So that seems to help out a little bit too. And then, I mean, you can shift your circadian rhythm. What I mean by that is, like if I've been traveling and let's say I've been back east, so technically my clock is three hours ahead and I'm back in Pacific time zone and my eyes are, are going wide open at say like 3 a.m. because I'm used to 6 a.m. back east, what I can do is either A, stay in bed and stay in the dark or get up. But if I get up, I'll have on blue light blocking glasses. I'll only use like a red headlamp. The only lights that'll get turned on in the house are like the red incandescent bulbs until the time of morning has arrived when I actually do want to tell my body that it's morning, you know, in, in essence, shifting the circadian clock forward. At that point, blue lights will come on. I'll even use things like, you know, like the in-ear uh, human charger for blue light in the ear or like the glasses, like the retimers, which simulate the greenish blue spectrum of sunlight. And you're just blasting yourself with light at that time that you want to send your body the cue that it's time to wake up. And th this can be like a daily practice that you can do until you get to the point where you've shifted yourself into being a little bit more of a morning person by using light and secondarily food and exercise as morning cues, so-called zeitgeibers for morning circadian rhythmicity and then when the evening rolls around, that's when you begin to block light intensively. Again, using blue light blocking glasses, shifting everything to red light mode, shifting the screens into red light mode on the phone and the computer, cutting off food at that point, you know, staving off any hard exercise sessions, et cetera, cooling the body down with like a lukewarm or a cool shower. And essentially, you're using cues in the morning and cues in the evening to shift your circadian rhythm forward or back. I want you to understand that light, food, exercise, and to a certain extent, temperature are kind of like hacks that you can use to shift yourself forward or back. You could experiment. Maybe you're never going to be that person who's like ready to go to bed at, at 9 p.m., but you can at least shift it back a little bit using some of those cues. The next question is, when is the best time to eat dinner, especially if you can't eat super early? Yeah, I mean, like who here actually eats dinner at 5 p.m.? Like I find like maybe 10% of folks, like a few hands went up. Like we, we eat dinner at typically like sometime between 7 and 8 p.m. in the Greenfield house just because that's when kind of like people are done with stuff. And that's when we finally get around to sitting down and cooking and eating dinner. And yet you see a lot of health data, especially for staving off a wide variety of metabolic diseases and sometimes all-cause mortality with like early eating times, especially with some of those Ayurvedic principles. And this is where you got to kind of strike a balance. Right. There's those longevity enthusiasts who are just like cold and hungry and libidoless their whole life because they're just like living in ice tubs, starving themselves, you know, and you know, protecting their body at all costs and basically living in a bubble when in fact, when it comes to lifespan and health span, happiness and relationships plays a pretty big role. As a matter of fact, the the new book, The Good Life, which is a summary of the longest study on happiness and longevity. The recent Harvard study was like an 80-year study that just finished up at the top of the totem pole above food, above like compressed feeding windows, above supplements or stem cells or anything else was relationships. 
and friendships. And so if eating later dictates that that's how you get your social fix in and, and engage in relationships and friendships, then I would say that you're likely doing yourself a service by waiting to eat until the time when you can be most social rather than eating by yourself at like 5 p.m. Now, that all being said, I think that what's more important is having some element of a compressed feeding window, right? So if you are eating late, then for most women, particularly premenopausal women, you're looking at like a, a 10 to 12 hour daily intermittent fast as being a really, really good health hack. For men, it's typically closer to 12 to 16 hours. For, for postmenopausal women, also like 12 to 16 hours. So if you're eating late, it's more important to just realize, okay, well, if I finish you know, dinner at 8.30 p.m. or 9 p.m., I'm not going to eat again until 8 a.m. or 9 a.m., right? So you're just, you're just shifting the feeding window forward. So I would say more important than the time of day that you eat, because if you look at Ayurvedic principles, they're also eating breakfast kind of early, right? Like 6 a.m., 7 a.m., et cetera. But if you're eating late, but then not having breakfast until 9 a.m. or having a very light breakfast, you know, late in the day and then, you know, really breaking the fast properly with lunch, then I think you're really going to be just fine. So I think it's more about the compressed feeding window than the actual dinner eating time, especially if the later dinner eating time me means that's when you engage in like relationships and friendships. I mean, what, what time do we eat here? Like 7, 7.30? Yeah. And obviously, if we wanted to just like be as healthy as possible based on those principles, we'd have dinner here at, at 5 p.m. We'd also have breakfast probably at 6 a.m. or whatever. So the next question is about Ben's knee. Is he feeling better? Is it improving? How is it feeling these days? Yeah, my knees are like 90%. Those of you who, who were, I think, signed up for room to last year, the one where I literally like, couldn't even travel you know, under doctors or my knee was like the size of a bowling ball and there was almost like sepsis in my knee. What I wound up needing to do was multiple doctors told me that I needed surgery. This is going to be interesting for anybody who has like joint pain, especially knee pain. And I thought, gosh, I, you know, they were telling me I got to get it scoped and cleaned out and it was arthritic. So there's not that many ways to regrow cartilage in a joint. At least I thought that. And I did three things and my, my knee is, is doing fantastic. The most profound thing that I did was a new protocol called intraosseous needling, where a doctor will go in on the two different articulating surfaces, let's say of, of the knee in this case, and they drill little holes, almost like aerating a lawn in the two articulating surfaces. And then they plug in all those holes with a bone matrix stem cell soup. And typically, you're getting some anti-inflammatory and exosome injections at the same time, like NAD, exosomes, BPC-157 peptide, et cetera. I had this done at, at BioReset Medical in San Jose. My knee just, just like went from not that great at all to fantastic after that protocol. But I also fed it. you know. So, so I'm doing at least 40 grams a day of collagen or 60 grams a day of essential amino acids. I'm eating bone marrow, bone broth with this whole philosophy of like, like supports like. I get the bone marrow capsules from Ancestral Supplements and I pop those like popcorn. Like I'll do like 12 of those a day and just chew on them. I think they taste pretty good. And then the other thing that I do to support all the tissue around the knee is three times a week, I do what I think is one of the better knee rehab protocols out there, which is the, uh, the knees over toes program by Ben Patrick, which is like, you know, knee over toe squats and some sled pushes and some, some backwards treadmill walks and things like that. And between those three things, the intraosseous needling, feeding the cartilage in my body, and then doing rehab, like the knees over toes program. I mean, it feels fantastic. And this was me going from like, oh, I'm hobbled and I'm going to be like injured for life and not be able to move to now I can just like go around the pickleball court. I'm now playing like tennis pain free. So it, it's amazing. And I haven't had to get surgery, which I'm super happy about. Our next question is, what is a good diet for dogs? 
I think that the so-called BARF diet, the barf diet, the raw food diet for dogs is amazing, especially if you add in mineral sources, you know, like ground up eggshells, you know, bone meal, things like that. That's fantastic for dogs, you know, compared to the modern day grain food. And there, there's a few companies that actually make dog food. No, they'll ship out dog food that's pretty close to a raw food diet if you don't want to use like a blender and raw meat and make your own tartare every morning. You know, I I don't have a lot. I'm I'm not like a like a, a a dog health expert, but I would say one other interesting thing is that there's a new company called Globe, G L O B I E, and they're now making like these infrared like kennels for dogs where your dog can do infrared therapy. We just got one of those. Um, our dogs don't seem to like it very much, but then I looked at all the data on it, and I mean, as far as like dog health, dog circadian rhythm, like even like fighting cancer risk, things like that. Like it seems to be a pretty, pretty good pick. And then like, honestly, I think that if you're raising purebred dogs, they're beautiful. Like we had like Rhodesian Ridgebacks and boxers, you know, all purebreds for a while, but they die early because they're, you know, they're genetically susceptible to more disease. So now we go with like mutts, you know, like adopted dogs and they seem like super hardy. They're just as friendly. So I would say if you you can adopt a dog, because they're probably going to die anyways, if you don't adopt them. So yeah, I I would adopt a dog, try a little infrared light, feed them a raw food diet. Talk to my wife. She she takes care of the dogs more than I do. The next question is how long should premenopausal women fast? So all of the premenopausal women who I coach or who I write nutrition plans for, they don't fast any longer than 12 hours on a, on a daily basis. Like, cause a lot of times the, the advice that women are given is the same advice as men are given, which is, which is hooey. Like you, like it basically long fast longer than 12 hours downregulate a hormone called kisspeptin in females, which is responsible for, for the natural follicle stimulating hormone, luteinizing hormone release that you'd want for optimized fertility and bone density, et cetera. So a long, regular, you know, 12 plus hour fast for women is not a good idea. But then of course, you got to fast longer than like 16 hours to get a lot of the cellular autophagy and longevity benefits. So what I do when I'm writing on a meal plan and work with one of my female clients is they do 10 to 12 hour daily intermittent fasts. And then they have a nice luxurious breakfast. You know, a lot of the women I work with, they're on like a Weston A. Priceous diet, like lots of fermented foods and fats, nutrient dense and calorie dense foods and fermented dairy and, and organ meats, you know, and they feel really good on that. Uh, and their fertility is great. But then what I do is anywhere from two to four times a month, I have them do a 24-hour dinner time to dinner time fast, right? So they're still getting small periods of cellular autophagy throughout the month without constantly sending their body that kind of like starvation, fertility, downregulation signal. I just made that up. That wasn't based on research or anything. I'm like, well, I want, I want them to get a couple of those like 16 plus hour periods in. But I know like every woman I've, I've worked with who's premenopausal doesn't do well with doing that regularly. So I have them do 10 to 12 hour daily intermittent fast and then the 24 hour one to four times a month. And then all my clients, male and female, they do quarterly four to five day cleanup periods, meaning they'll either do like a bone broth fast or a vegetable juice fast or a prolon type of fasting mimicking diet or, or an Ayurvedic fast, like a kitchery cleanse or something like that. And that's just like a, a quarterly cleanup. The second part to that question was, do you time the longer fasts with their menstrual cycles? Oh, that's a good question. No, I, I don't get that scientific. I don't really time it based on the cycle. But there are certain periods, you know, where where based on the levels of estrogen, you're going to be more receptive to higher levels of fat burning and, and be able to go through a fast a little bit easier. But I mean, I, I'm going to go outside my zone talking about that. So I won't. And our last question is, what is the best kind of training for longevity? 
I used to be like, obviously, as Joe alluded to in the morning circle today, I was like the Spartan guy, Iron Man guy, you know, the functional fitness, you know, CrossFit esque type of workouts. Even though I was never a CrossFitter because I couldn't find the neon colored knee high compression socks anywhere. But anyways, the uh, best form of strength training, in my opinion, for staving off sarcopenia with age is the kind that you can keep coming back to over and over and over again without injuring yourself. And so I think that there's three forms of training that work amazingly for this. Number one is super slow training. So there are books like Body by Science by Dr. Doug McGuff or my book Boundless. Like there's a whole chapter and it's all just how to exercise in terms of like an anti-aging longevity-based program. And it's all super slow training, extremely controlled, typically one single set to failure, sometimes two or three for the gym junkies out there who, you know, for like the gym is their happy place. And I understand some people want to spend a little bit more time in the gym. So I'll tell them, okay, do two or three sets. It's fun. But basically super slow training, like 15 to 30 seconds up, 15 to 30 seconds down with something like chest press, row, shoulder press, pull down, squat, uh, deadlift modality. And that's very similar. I train. So three days a week I do extremely so slow, super slow, single set to failure training. Uh, there are devices like the ARX that you can use for this. There are band systems like the, like the X3 bar that you can use for this. You can do it with free weights. You can do it with like the Nautilus machines at a gym, but you're not exercising like an athlete. You're instead exercising in a very slow, predictable, controlled fashion. Now, of course, you're going to miss out on the fast switch muscle fibers that also tend to go away as you age. So for that, since these super slow sessions only take like 15 to 25 minutes, I'll have people do two to three additional sessions that are either kettlebell, but typically lighter kettlebell or calisthenic, you know, body weight type of stuff that's that's quick and explosive. Where like the classic like New York Times, you know, seven minute workout where it's like push ups and squats done for 30 seconds on, 15 seconds off, just like these triggering sessions throughout the week that are more explosive. Right. And so you got super slow training a few times a week, explosive body weight or lightweight or kettlebell style training a few times a week. And then typically when folks are traveling, I just have them pack some BFR bands because blood flow restriction training is fantastic in terms of low impact, low risk of injury way to maintain muscle. And a lot of people who I'm working with, like they're working out of hotel gyms or things like that when they're traveling. So I just have them do the BFR band workouts in their hotel room. So it's BFR band on the road and lots of walking on the road. At home, it's super slow training with calisthenic or kettlebell explosive training and lots of walking. And then besides that, just like you know, playing a little sports every now and again, like it's very, very simple. But that's like the type of program I'll, I'll write out for somebody who I'm working with who's just like, hey, I don't care about like being a professional basketball player or a CrossFit or whatever. I just want to be able to come back week after week after week and stay fit. Howdy, howdy, ho, folks. I am hiring. That's right. I'm hiring. Ben Greenfield Life is looking for an IT specialist. What that means is I need somebody who can help me out with technical and web development, support software systems, optimal performance of the websites, the platforms, the users, the team. I'm really looking for somebody who has a few years working in the IT field who knows things like uh, email service providers, Shopify, WordPress, Klaviyo, 
backups, you name it, and who also is preferably interested in things like health and fitness and biohacking. Uh, Asana, Slack, Zoom are three of the programs that we use to support the team at Ben Greenfield Life. And uh, preferably, whoever applies for this position has some pretty good interpersonal skills and can work uh, across a wide variety of teams and customers and external vendors and also just be a total tech head who can fix stuff that goes wrong from a technical standpoint. If you are interested in this job that includes technical support, web development, technology maintenance, and much more, and you want a salaried position full-time that can be done from anywhere in the world, you can apply at bengreenfieldlife.com slash itjob. That's bengreenfieldlife.com slash itjob, and we are hiring soon. We're filling this position quick, so... If you're interested, bengreenfieldlife.com slash ITJob. More than ever these days, people like you and me need a fresh, entertaining, well-informed, and often outside-the-box approach to discovering the health and happiness and hope that we all crave. So I hope I've been able to do that for you on this episode today. And if you liked it, or if you love what I'm up to, then please leave me a review on your preferred podcast listening channel, wherever that might be. And just find the Ben Greenfield Life episode. Say something nice. Thanks so much. It means a lot.